do 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 here we go my name is todd this is kathy welcome back to another episode of zen parenting radio this is podcast number 460 uh 460 sweetie those are all even numbers in case you knew actually mm-hmm. i don't even know if zero is even it mm-hmm. just kind of doesn't exist Zero doesn't exist. Okay. Yeah, say that to mathematicians. Maybe it exists. I don't know. It's got something to do, um, I don't know. Somebody invented math. Certainly wasn't me. So uh, why is it, listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, I don't really have a whole lot, but my sweetie does. This is what I did to get ready for the show. I just listened to some of uh, some funny clips from the movie New Girl, or from the TV show New Girl. It's not, it's not a movie. And Kathy's been just jotting notes down for the last five minutes, and I have no idea what it's about. Well, can I tell you something funny? I Because I'll tell you what we'll talk about in a second. But I just opened this um, Rolling Stone magazine, because I get it on my phone, you know? Sure. And the top two articles are, meth is making a comeback. Right. Yay! Hold on. And the other one is... White nationalists fume over t- Taylor Swift's Senate endorsement. When, since when did we care? Yeah. Why, <laughs> why is this news? Why? Um, when, when I say that, I care about Taylor Swift's so endorsement. <clears throat> but w- since when are we keeping there's, track of white nationalists being angry about there's things? There's probably a lot of people that are either for or against the fact that T-Swizzle uh, decided to endorse somebody. But why white nationalists are high on the list of people that we care about? <laughs> I'm not quite certain. Well, and that's kind of, and again, part of what I want to, what I hope you and I can talk about today is what it means to be measured. What do you see, Toddy? There's a fly and it almost got caught in the spider web, but it kept going. Oh, I feel like we talk about flies way too much. People are going to be like, why do you have flies? I don't know. What's the deal? I got worms. I got worms. Um, it's just one though. So that's like He's a, a little guy. Thing. He's like a baby fly. Because we've had the windows open. So anyway, being measured. Those, those headlines are not very measured do you know what it means to be measured? I have no idea what you're talking about. Sure you do. What do you think it means to be measured? Like when I say I want to I want to handle that in a very measured way. Oh, you want to uh, maintain your cool. Right. There's a balance to being measured. You yeah. know, there's like a sense of, um, you know, I feel like I've heard the word a lot in the last couple of weeks for very many, many different things and how being thoughtful and or measured, which is kind of my new word because I feel like we use the word, we've overused balanced. Mm-hmm. Um, and is there really such a thing to be perfectly balanced? Whereas measured is like, I need a little more rage over here mm-hmm. and a little more consciousness over here. Mm-hmm. And it's not a perfect measurement on either side. It's a sense of in this situation, I need to bring this up and bring this down. And in this situation- So I can do- you be rageful and measured at the same time? Well, it's not that, I didn't say rageful. That's okay. a very different thing can than you, feeling rage. Can you be expressing rage and be measured? Well, I have a question for you. Please. A couple days ago, I felt a lot of rage, but did I rage at you? No. No. So then it was measured rage. I wasn't taking my rage and dumping it out on no, everybody else. No, you kept it, um, I don't want to say you kept it inside, but no, you did not uh, drop below the line. That's the only term that I that is coming to me right now. Well, and I think that's what I'm trying to say about being measured is mm-hmm. I think that we believe that if we're feeling something, then that becomes who we are. And if we're experiencing something, the only way that we can deal with it is by dumping all over other people. And the only way that it, it kind of, it brings a lot of things together for me that I'm hoping I can 
weave together today because it brings together when we talk about like false dichotomy, Mm -hmm. which is being on one end of the spectrum or the other where there's no room for conversation about the middle. It's like I'm either for this or against this. We do this in our politics. We also do this in our parenting. I was just listening to a parenting podcast. And again, I know we've talked about this before, but the mom was saying, well, yep, if my child leaves something, I am never going to bring it to them and they will deal with the consequences. And I thought, is there any measure in there? Like, what if it was a crazy morning? I have a really good example. Okay, let's hear it. And this is a few weeks ago. Okay. So we are, there's no emotion attached to it anymore, but um, we were having dinner as a family. Okay. And two of our uh, daughters were arguing. Okay. And it got a little bit heated. I don't know if you remember, but one like moved the chair out really quick to kind of stop the other one from walking through. And they were just in a really... I Vaguely, vaguely. So then I took the one kid to practice. Uh Uh-huh. And she was very upset. Uh Uh-huh. Because she just had a fight with her sister. Right. Okay. Frustrated. So um, we picked up her friend and I turned on the radio. And she got really mad and turned off the radio really quick saying, I don't want any music. I want to talk. Okay. So I was kind of upset. And I said, okay, if you want to talk, let's talk. But usually when um, I drive my kids somewhere, I kind of like help, uh, I reduce the awkwardness by um, by basically carrying the conversation a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that might embarrass my kids, I don't mm-hmm. know. But, but this time, because she slammed off the music and said she wanted to talk, I'd be like, all right, you're, you drive the boat. You initiate the conversation. Well, the whole 25-minute trip to the place nobody talked me neither me nor my daughter nor her friend and i was kind of stewing and she was probably stewing and the friend is like what did i just get myself into so i came home and you said uh, how did whatever what did how did she how did she cope with the fight that she had with her sister and i told you you actually came home and said i have to tell you a text i just got that's what you said to me um, right. And the text was, she said something to the effect of, I'm sorry, I was so... Um, I'm sorry. I, it was something like, I'm was, sorry, I was so difficult. Yeah, it was or, an apologetic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was a passive aggressive part of me that wanted to be like, yeah, like... Yeah, you were. You were right? or whatever. And I knew that wasn't the right thing. So I was measured, or at least with your support, I was measured. And I texted something back because there was a part of me that wanted to teach her a lesson. Right. So before you move on to how this was concluded, because when you came home and you said, you showed me the text, and then I said, well, fill me in. Like, Mm -hmm. why is she even sending this text to you? So you told me that part, and you said... You know, she turned off the radio, so I didn't talk. Right. So it wasn't, and you said you were stewing, but there was a little passive aggressiveness in you like, well, if you're not going to let me play the radio, I'm not going to carry any conversation. Right. I am going to kind of be 13. Yes. And just kind of get to your level. Yeah, I dropped to her level for and, sure. And then when you got home, like you said, you kind of, you're like, what do I say back? Because I've got a teacher. She can't do that. And what I said to you was, when we tell our kids it's okay to be angry, mm-hmm. what does that mean to you? Right. Because do you mean... That because on this show, we talk about this all the time. It's okay for kids to get angry. But then when our kids get angry, we don't manage it very mm-hmm. well. And I don't mean manage them, but we really are angry that they're angry. So we've kind of been doing them, we're lying to them mm-hmm. because we're saying, oh, please, it's okay to get angry. And then they are angry. And we're like, now, wait a second. Yeah. I'm going to teach you a lesson about well, not being angry. And I copied and pasted her text to me. Okay. What does it, it say? Sorry if I was harsh. I'm just really harsh. stressed out. 
Um, and my reaction, as I just shared with you, was like, yeah, like I felt like I was winning. Yeah. And the minute that you are trying to keep score in your relationship with your wife or your husband or your children, you're going to lose the game. But yeah. so I was trying to and I wanted to say, well, yeah, it re- I want to say something like, yeah, I was really mad or what my initial reaction of how I wanted to text was different than what I ended up texting Correct. because I have a wife who's understanding and has, I can express some ideas to her without her judging me. And you basically said, you know, are we just like, blowing smoke? are we blowing smoke? Are we going to practice what we preach? And what we preach is, or what we preach is don't judge your kids for having emotions don't stoop down to their level because we're the ones with the prefrontal cortex that's fully developed. Like, are we going to, you know, you you challenged me. And then I said something like, because we both like watching the TV show, This Is Us. I said, can't wait for you to come home. I know you're stressed out. Let's just watch This Is Us. And and it turned out fine. And then I picked her up that night and it was like, all of it was gone. Right. It dissipated. Because it it, processed. It really had. Like, and here's the thing that's funny is some of you may be listening to that going, uh, dude, she texted you and said she was sorry. So mm-hmm. right there, she had clo- she had realized. I, but I wasn't done. You weren't done. You were still frustrated. Yes. And it's also, you know, a lot of times, I think that night after you sent the text and you're like, let's watch This Is Us and you picked her up and she was probably so appreciative mm-hmm. of like, okay, you're not going to make me rehash this right. or make me feel bad about my anger Yeah. because she had a right to be angry. Yeah, her sister was pushing, pushing buttons. And she was had to go to practice and she was overwhelmed and she has a lot going on. And yeah. so we really have to be like, okay, not like, okay, now process your anger with me. What are you feeling? But really just let it be because mm-hmm. as we know a surge of anger or of any kind of feeling can take 90 seconds yeah it's when other people mess with us or when we mess with our own thinking Mm -hmm. that it becomes this long drawn out thing yeah so what could have happened and i don't think it needed to because like you said i think it ran its course but if you felt like it was like she has never done this but like she called you names or something then maybe you do the this is us thing and then the next day say okay Loved This Is Us. Let's talk about it. Okay, now let's talk about the name. Right. <laughs> let's not do that to each other. Mm. And you and you can say, these are not names I want to use with anyone I love. Yeah. And I'm hoping we can have that agreement. Yeah. I totally get the anger. The, the anger, I'm whatever. But the, the it's the name calling. And, and she didn't name no, call. No, I know. But there's a lot of texts and emails that we get from people saying, I can't let my children's anger go. So um, go ahead. I just interrupted you. Because um, if I do, then they'll, and I'm putting this in quotes, get away with it. Mm -hmm. And them having anger is not the problem. It's what comes out in the anger. And and fortunately or unfortunately, you guys, anger is a bit of a truth serum. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do you know what I mean by that? I think so. We say things... We've yeah. been holding really close to the chest yeah. when we're angry. Right. I don't mean it's honestly how I feel yeah. because it's, not truth it's, serum. You've been withholding and right. then it comes out. Because when if your child's angry and they say, I hate you, I'm not saying they really hate you. Right. What I'm saying is they're feeling a lot of energy mm-hmm. that then... So truth serum, I take that back. It's not the right word. Anger is a bit of a pressure release. Yes. And so a lot of things come out. Um, sometimes honesty comes out, but I don't think our kids really feel that way. I don't think anybody's kids really feel that way. Um, But we have to, you know, the first thing, the first step is acknowledging that their anger really is okay. And if you've been teaching them about emotions that you've got to be able to tolerate that. Now, again, 
side note, therapy side note, if they're hitting you, if they're hurting you, of course you need to right. intervene. I'm talking about someone who's like flipping off the radio and sure. kind of whipping things around and kind of in their own. So, so, um, in my situation, Correct. when she like mean in a mean way, flipped off the radio and was just very dismissive and mad uh-huh. and I got quiet. Uh-huh. Um, I just wonder if I was in that position tomorrow in the car, could I have handled it better, differently? Like, I don't know if I handled it well in the car or not by being passive aggressive. Oh, I, I don't think passive aggressive is ever, ever a great approach. But if, if, you're, if you're measured, mm-hmm. which let me say is work. Hard to do. Because our emotions get involved too. But a measured approach could be, a practiced approach could be, yeah. I hear you, let's keep it off. I hear you. Yeah. And then helping her carry that conversation with the other girl. Yeah, I did not do that at because all. Because basically what she's saying is, I don't have the tolerance to be doing what I'm doing right now. Help me. Mm-hmm. And you shut down and said, not going to do it. So it's. I, I think I'll give myself a B minus. Yes, or B. Or a B. Like, because it, it, I could have like lashed out correct. and we would have gotten into a big fight. Correct. That would have been good. Your silence in that moment was not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And maybe that was measured. Maybe no, it was. I was pissed, okay. and I'm like, I don't want to say anything. I'm going to regret later. Yes. So I just shut up. Yes. And so that was the best you can do in the moment. Yes. Sometimes we got to give ourselves props. Like yeah. you know, at least I didn't do this. I did this. But a very evolved or a like a deep breath approach mm-hmm. would be: I see your anger. I'm not going to make you feel bad for your anger. Yeah. And I'm not going to be like, oh, honey, what's wrong? I'm not going to, I'm going to leave you alone with your anger. Again, just so you guys remember, our children are 15, 13, and 11. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about an 18 year old. I'm not talking about a two year old. The the developmentally appropriate way to talk to an adolescent or a pre-adolescent or a teenager is to allow them that space. Okay. I even think that's appropriate with an eight or nine year old, but you know, again, this is just, and so in that moment to be like, I totally hear you, leave it off. And then when they, when her friend gets in the car to be like, hey, how you doing? Mm-hmm. You don't have to like carry it. Yeah. But just to kind of fill the air that she can't fill. Yeah. And I think this is kind of the measured piece that I want to talk about too when it comes to arguments. Because this can be in our relationships too with each other, our adult relationships. I was um, listening to a podcast. Uh, you guys know Dak Shepard's podcast, Armchair Expert, which is really good. Um, and he interviewed his wife, Kristen Bell, for a second time a couple weeks ago, yeah, or a week ago. I heard that one. And a lot of people emailed us and said, or emailed me and said, listen to this. This sounds like you and Todd sometimes. And I, And one thing that she, that they had this back and forth about was something kind of benign it was it was like a it was like a small story about here's how you could have handled it honey with the airport thing the airport thing but that that wasn't it it was about she was kind of giving him advice about how to be Mm. Kristen was giving dex advice about how to be and he came back at her and said listen you keep telling me how to be but when you are struggling with something you tell me things like that's just the way i am and you have to accept it and he said but right now with me you're telling me to be different mm-hmm. and you're not accepting me and you know what she said mm-hmm. you're right yeah and she actually said touche yeah you're right and she said i hear that which i think is totally doable she could, well i mean she conceded the point like she wasn't trying to win she could she, she could, could view see it, it. A little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Where at first she was in lecture mode, like yeah. you need to handle this differently. You need to do this differently. And then he was able to put her words back on her and say, 
he also did it in not an angry way. Yeah. He said, listen, honey, you know when you tell me that, I think he said something about certain smells bother you and that's yeah. just the way you are, mm-hmm. and I tell you get over it and you, you can't, mm-hmm. you say just accept me, and right now you're not accepting me. And she's like, you're right. The reason I bring that up is a lot of people, I think it was on Team Zen, but a few on the other page said, that's something I need to work on. I have a hard time letting other people know they're right. Yeah. And that's what I want to question is not those people specifically, but why do we have a hard time letting other people know that sometimes they're right? Because our ego is trying to protect itself 24-7. Yes, you're right. Um, you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the that is the right answer, and I get that, except don't we see the karmic nature of any relationship? Like, if you're never going to concede that someone else is right... What makes us think that someone else is going to allow us to have our moment of rightness? Yeah, it's like a narcissistic approach based on ego. And, and when we're not like that is when we're filling our own tank and we're, we're above the line and we're meditating and, and we want to view it through a different lens. But it's hard to get to that point. And, and I... And yes, you're right. I feel like Man, a I'm lot right, of... I'm right, I'm right a lot. Well, because this is the thing is I don't want to say, no, that's not right. And I'm not doing that for effect because yeah. of what we're talking about. But I hear you. But I don't think it's as hard as we make it out to be. How hard is it when you make a point to me, when you're like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of something we've talked about recently where you're like, yeah, but can you see Sweetie, it this I way? I make lots of points. <laughs> a lot of good points. Um you know, like I'll be explaining something to you. It's a very similar Dax and Kristen thing where I'm explaining to you something about me, like, honey, you need to just understand me and you need to get me and you need to read me. And and, and then you'll be doing something. I'll be like, you need to stop doing that. Mm-hmm. And you'll be like, but wait a second, I'm working on myself too. And don't you need to accept yeah, get, me? Create the space for me to have my opinion, and feelings, whatever. If we can in that moment say, you know what? You're right. You're doing the best you can to understand me, and I am going to do the best I can to understand you. And don't we see, I guess we don't, but can we see how that then creates the relationship? What I really wanted, even though I kind of dove in with being measured, Mm -hmm. because I knew we'd go a lot of different places with it, what I really wrote down was everything is human interaction, Todd. Connection is food. Connection is food, and everything is human interaction. One of my daughters uh, was struggling with is struggling with a teacher right now, and she's very focused on how the structure of the class is and how there's nothing she can do because the structure of the class. And I keep reminding her, this teacher is a human. I'm not saying they're going to change the structure, but if you demonstrate you care and you ask for help and you instead of get on the bandwagon of she sucks, mm-hmm. go in there and be vulnerable enough to say. I hear the structure, I've written down the structure, but I'm not doing well in the structure. So could you help me? Maybe there are some teachers that be like, absolutely not, out of my office. But 99% of them yeah. are going to be like human. Sure. And and I mean that in every relationship, you know, like in friendships, in teacher relationships, between you and I, like with our kids, when our kids are angry, for us to create that space for them to be angry. And then when they say, I'm sorry, and us to text back, yeah, I got gotcha. you. I got your back. I think there's a lot of parents who fear I'm giving away my power. Well, I think we always feel like we need to be teaching. And if we're conceding, you know, and I put conceding in quotes, quotes, that we will be, um, we will, all of a sudden we're on an equal level and we're not supposed to be, we're supposed to be above them. And I'm saying this sarcastically. And if we all of a sudden are 
equals or peers in this moment of this opportunity to connect with one another, then we're losing our power. I think that's us parents thinking that we need to be in constant teaching mode. And that's kind of the question of the show we did two weeks ago about the belief underneath the belief. Mm -hmm. Because when I, when a long time ago, uh, when I would teach a parenting class or you and I together would talk to parents and we'd say, how many of you want your kids to be afraid of you? A lot of them would raise their hand. There was an honesty about, I want my kid to be afraid of me. And that was a great entry point for Todd and I, because we would talk about, okay, we get why you feel that way, but here's the things you're going to miss then. The connection, them coming to you, uh, you know, an intimate relationship with them and off that, you know, we kind of helped them see the fear is one thing sure. and you're controlling them, but you're going to lose all of these things. And are you really controlling them? Right. Are you just damaging your relationship? Now, when I ask that question, how many of you want your children to fear you? Maybe it's just because people have been listening to the show long enough so they know that we're not going to like... That's not really a great answer. Right. But I don't hear a lot of parents saying that anymore. Like, I want my kids to be afraid of me. Yet that belief system is still way down below where we really, we don't want it on the surface anymore. But the reason we don't want to say you're right or I'm willing to have your back is because we really do want our kids to, to think we're the greater power. And we are, it's a hierarchy as far as we are in charge. We're the adult. But- we, but having them be afraid of us is not the relationship we're looking for. Well, just to kind of maybe spin it a little bit differently, we've talked about, you know, we've been doing this show for seven years. These kids are here to teach eight, us... Sweetie. Eight, mm-hmm. Uh These kids are here to teach us how we can be. Like, mm-hmm. they showed up in this universe so we can become better human beings. Right. And I think all too often as parents are be like, no, it's it's one way. We need to make sure that they're good human beings, yet I've shared a million different examples, but the one that always pops up in my mind is the, the way my my kid, um, I'm thinking of Skylar, she doesn't do it as much anymore, but when she would walk to school, like when she was in second grade, she would be completely present and mindful and stop and look at the trees and the ants on the ground and all that. That is a wonderful lesson that I need to keep seeing in order for me to be present and mindful, which is the way that we connect with one another is presence as opposed to rushing to school so I can go do the next thing. Instead of teaching her what we do in life is we rush to things yes. because that's basically what we're demonstrating. And can we, can it be a back and forth learning? Yeah. Relationships are reciprocal. You know, it's kind of like you get something from what they teach you and they get something from you. And you know, something I can say now, cause we have been doing this show eight years. So all of you listening that long have heard our children grow up. Our heard our children, meaning you've heard us yeah. talk as our children have been growing up. Our children are are getting old. Yeah. And what I mean by that is it happens fast and you have to take the long view that you may be, and I'm saying this in quotes, controlling your eight-year-old and saying, I got this together. You know, they listen to me. They're afraid of me. We've got these rules. We've got this behavior modification system. But what relationship have you built? Because they're not going to stay. Days are long. Years are short. They, they become... They become teens and they're in and out of the house and then they become, they go to college and what you kind of have to have the long view rather than the short view. The short view is I'm going to control you and tell you what to do and put your clothes on you and make sure your hair is perfect and make you kind of a a piece of me. Mm versus the long view is I see who you are. We are different people. I'm going to have your back. I'm going to listen to you. I hope that me listening to you will teach you how to listen to me. I hope that me being kind to you teaches you how to be kind to people in the world. Like it's like a, we're doing, it's, it's the long view. I think of this, you're going to laugh, um, like an X, Y axis. Okay. Yikes. I know. 
when our kids are born, they are 100% dependent, dependent yeah. upon you mm -hmm. or us. And then every day, week, month, year that goes by, they become a little bit less dependent and a little more independent until they get to a certain age, whether it's, you know, it depends on the kid. Sometimes the kid's 18, sometimes it's 22, sometimes he's 25, where they're, it just flattens out mm -hmm. where this is who this kid is mm -hmm. and they're not going to be any more independent or dependent on you as one day, week, month goes by. But to your point, the fast, this flies by mm -hmm. at the blink of an eye. Mm -hmm. And when I said the days are long, the years are short, that's the truth. We have a 15-year-old. Almost 16. How did that happen? I know. She just drove the whole way home from uh, Galena. Yes. Like I have my child driving a huge minivan. Right. And it's a little, it's a little awesome and a little unsettling. So she's been on this earth 15 years. Yes. 15 years from now, she's going to be freaking 30. 30. And, and, and does a 30-year-old need me to control her? No. Like, and what if I had taught her, and, and I feel like this has always been our goal, and I hope this is what's, is that who she is is valuable and what she has to say is valuable. And that's not something you start at 20. That's something you talk to at five when they're like, I would rather wear these striped pants than these perfectly pressed pants and saying, you know what, go for it. Because you guys, especially girls and boys, if you have a child who's willing right now because they're really young to just wear whatever. And like, I remember when Skylar used to wear her coat backwards yes. and she's like, I want it backwards. Allow them to do that because child developmentally, they will stop doing that and you will reflect with a lot of like warmth about yeah, that time. You're going to miss it. Because they will get to a point where they're like, I have to, and this is normal. This is what they should do. They will say, I need to, you know, I'm going to grow my hair long now. Or, um, you know, the boys will be like, I need to have my Under Armour, mm -hmm. you know, sweatshirt, or I need to have these kind of shoes. And the, and we may say to them, you don't need it. But what they're saying to us is it's time for me to fit in. In. And kind of some of the craziness I was doing at five, six, seven, mm -hmm. I'd like to find a way, <clears throat> excuse me, to like blend in, to be more, to belong. Yeah. This is what we look for. Now, those of you who have a kid, um, for various reasons, it's like, no, I want to dye my hair and I want to wear something different. Awesome. Yeah. You've got an, you've got a, a, a kid who's like, I don't need that. I feel I belong in my own skin. And that's great too. I'm not saying one's better than the other, but my point is, is that it's okay your children are not supposed to be, your children are supposed to have some time to like go out and be well, different. And then this is a little bit, remember Rob Bell when he spoke at our conference and he, his daughter wanted to do some weird thing where they would put something up in the house through yeah, the ceiling. The, like she wanted to be on the ribbons or they had those like, like a trapeze like thing. shears yeah, coming down from their is. ceiling. Yeah. And there's parents out there to be like, oh no, because then we have to drill a hole in the ceiling right. and all that. And Rob's like, you know, one day she's going to be gone. gone and you're going to have a hole maybe or a patch mark where this kid did this trapeze thing from your from your basement. Mm -hmm. And you're going to think about that fondly. There's a lot of parents that wouldn't even consider letting a kid do that. Right. So they were called silks. Yes. Silks. Yeah. And it was just um, I thought it was a wonder. You know, it's funny. It stuck with me. That was two years ago or three years ago. But, you know, within reason, let your kids surprise you. Right. And support them in what what they want to do, not what we want them to well, do. Well, even the small things like, you know, um, you know, Skylar and the, actually all three girls, and they happen to do it in Skylar's room, but they measure themselves every yeah. year. Todd and I don't do it. That's right. They measure themselves and with these, they've got these pencil marks and that whole wall is a mess. Right. But, you know, the whole idea of you shouldn't be doing that seems crazy. What's funny about that is that I don't ever remember 
giving permission. No, me neither. They just did they it. They just did it, yeah. And I don't know what... It, <laughs> You know, there's some things that don't bother me right. and there's other stupid things that do bother me. So I'm not judging anybody who doesn't like pencil marks on their right. wall, but just let them do right. that stuff. Because, because going back, this is the long view. Yeah. Right now you might be like, that's messy or we just painted, you know, parents who are like, I just painted, we just painted. So don't put your hands on the wall until when, yeah. what day is it okay to touch the wall again? Like we have to live. I used to play baseball. I used uh-huh. to play wiffle ball at my friend Charlie's house uh-huh. and we play, it's the ridiculous. So we wake up in the morning, we go to Charlie's house and we play wiffle ball, two on two wiffle ball all day until we couldn't, until the sun went down. It was crazy. And he had a grandpa who was really kind of mean mm-hmm. and he would go crazy if we ever set foot on the lawn. And I can't wait until I'm an old man and young people want to destroy my lawn. I'm going to welcome that. Really? I Todd? swear you to God. You just said destroy your lawn. First of all, we didn't destroy it. We played on it so, yeah, and it would be right a word. little bit matted down. Right. But I am never... If I'm ever the guy, just take me out back and shoot me. If I'm ever the guy that's shooing kids off my lawn for playing anything, just just get rid of me. You're not going to say get off my lawn? I'm done. Yeah, destroy is one word. Yeah, and yeah, and even but the slip and slide. Remember slip and slide? I do. That is a good destroyer of lawns. Correct. Come on, destroy it because you guess what happens? It grows back. It grows back. I know. It's well, freaking grass. It, that's like as far as our family and you know, using the backyard or our our family friends or our kids' friends, use the yard to your content. Mm-hmm. You know, if there was just random kids doing slip and slide in your front yard, you probably wouldn't be okay well, with that. First of all, it was his grandson and his friends. Okay, good. But point. even if it was strangers, yeah. I, if if the neighborhood kids came and did a slip and slide on my lawn, I guess you, I wouldn't care either. I wouldn't You're care. Right. You're right. Like that 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 is something that is a deposit into the emotional bank account of this earth. Kids. Playing, playing yeah. having fun. Yeah. Well, and a lot of that structure, you know, it's it's fun to talk about this because there's been something I've been doing lately. I always do this right after I have all my doctor's appointments and I find out that I'm all right. Mm-hmm. I don't know if any of the rest of you women, I'll just speak to the women specifically, but every year, if you're over 40, you have to get a mammogram and you have to like, you know, every three years get a pap smear and you have to, there's this whole process that women have to go through every year to make sure they're okay. Yeah. And it's very unsettling and I don't look forward to it and I struggle with it. Um, have had to go back for follow-up tests, which I've now found now that I like talk to women about it, I find out so many women have to go back. Yeah. We're going to talk about this on this podcast. Yeah. I didn't feel like spending a whole show on it. Well, we don't. It's just that first of all, the, the, the true discomfort from getting a mammogram. Yeah. Oh my God. Is... And I said, what are the odds of those machines being <laughs> created, invented by a man? Pretty good. Because they don't have to deal with it. <laughs> What's funny about them, because I laugh because it's all I can do yeah. at this point, is it's not just the squishing and, and the pain. It's where we have to put our face in our hands. Yeah. I feel like someone needs to take a picture of me holding onto that machine <laughs> with my face pushed. And then they're like pushing your face and like squeezing you in. And it's like... A practical joke. Yeah. You want to be like, like I really? a joke And I show? can just see like the, the inventor being, okay, I got it. And then we'll put her face up against this thing. And then I'm going to make her hold on up here. 
And then the other thing is that the, that you had to go back for some follow up tests, yeah. and like you shared that, and all your friends are like, "Oh yeah, me too," and that normalized it for you yes. a little bit. But you guys didn't really talk about that. You know, we don't, and and I think it's because there are some women who go back for like my mom had breast cancer a couple of years ago. There's women who go back and they go for follow up tests and a biopsy, and they have cancer. And so to say, "Oh, I had to go back," every everything is again. You're trying to be measured. Mm-hmm. You're trying to be like, I don't want to complain about something when the end result ended up being okay. But at the same time, I, there's a lot of anxiety to go back. And when you get that phone call or when you get that letter, um, it's in, and all the caregivers I've worked with have always been really lovely, but because they do it day in, day out, I think there's not an understanding of how, or they've forgotten. Cause I've worked in the medical industry too. I know how this can happen where you're just like, okay, next person, next person. When everybody there is really afraid mm-hmm. and you forget that, that everybody there is like, am I okay? So the story I told Todd is that like, I had to go back in for all of the, like I had to do another mammogram. I had to do an ultrasound, all these things. And I was like the last person in the room. I probably talked about this last year, I don't think but you then did. when I finally was getting another ultrasound, I started to cry and the woman giving me the ultrasound, she looked at me and she goes, oh, honey, you're okay. We're just trying to like, you know, get a better read. And I'm like, tell me I'm okay, Well, please. you got the letter instead of the phone call. Yes. And remember, I was the last one there. Yeah. All these, I had, was like, first I had this crew of women who were like, all my compadres were like, we're in this together. And like one by one, everyone's being told they can go home. Mm. And I'm sitting there alone in my robe getting my like... You know, so that's the thing though, even right now I want to be like, but I, I walked out the door Mm -hmm. and a lot of women like my mother and like some of my girlfriends, um, they don't, they, or they do walk out the door, but they're told that they have, that they have cancer. And so it's a hard thing to, it's always this, like, again, this is a very measured to talk about being measured is I'm so grateful for a test that will, um, help, you know, something that will help us get in, you know, find something early detection. And at the same time, I'm pissed that I have to do it every year. And there's this place in between, instead of the false dichotomy of you either are thankful and you don't say a thing or you hate it and you don't do it. Everything is both. There's a place in the middle where every time I make that appointment, I look at Todd and I'm like, I can't stand it because it's anxiety provoking. So, well, and you don't know how, I I think I'm getting better at supporting you through that. We've been married for 15, 16 mm -hmm. years. I don't even know. Um, and because I've never had to deal with that, it's, Mm -hmm. it's hard to empathize with that. So I'm saying this to myself and for any other guys that are out there is if your wife is like mine and she emotionally gets charged up during these really kind of scary tests to ask, to be supportive, do you want me to come with you? All that stuff. Like I didn't do any of that, but I did. I remember coming home that day saying, because you How texted, you texted me, yeah, uh, the letter or whatever that the, that the screenshot okay, yeah. that everything was mm-hmm. okay. Because I don't know, I just get lost in my own story and I forget to check in. Well, and on you this know, tough stuff. It, exactly, and I think that this goes back to. Sorry, people, okay. I have to bring in politics again because it's in everything. Is it's our situation, our worry, our fear, our anxiety is real, mm-hmm. and just because you don't feel it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Can you imagine what I'm thinking about right now? Well, with the, <laughs> you and I had a quick, and I don't know if this is appropriate or timely or whatever, but I posted a bunch of, um, you know, things on Facebook. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we just finished watching an episode of This Is Us. Oh, this is actually a good story. I think people could relate can to Can you this. tie these ends sure. together for me? Sure. Okay. So 
the, Todd and Jay, or excuse me, Todd and Cameron and I were watching This Is Us, and there's a scene where um, Randall Randall is helping out with this. Uh, what is that apartment place? complex? Apartment apartment complex that's not very well taken care of. Yeah. And the woman who either lives there or runs it, mm-hmm. she was a friend of her of his, his father's. father's. Basically, he has a lot of connections there, and his foster daughter mm-hmm. is there. Is yes. that right? Yes. Am I, Deja. 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 Todd and uh, Cameron watch this show religiously. I only come in occasionally. So I'm sorry for not having all the information. But so Randall is like on this mission to make this place better. To fix the apartment building. He's fixing it up and he's figuring things out. But Randall's privilege, lives in New Jersey, is wealthy. Correct. And he's going to this broken down apartment complex, fixing light bulbs, doing all these things to kind of give it a facelift. And then there's this really poignant moment where he he changed the light bulbs and this woman comes out, the, the friend of his father's, and says, you know, we appreciate you doing that, but, you know, th- this, is kind of a, this is kind of a big thing. And he goes, you know what? And he said, I'm going to change all the light bulbs on the street. And he said, you know, we shouldn't be treated this way. Yeah. And he, he turns around and she, she says, you know, you're not we. Mm-hmm. She's like, you showed up here and you're helping us, but you are not us. Right. And he is kind of, and again, I have a lot of empathy for Randall because he never has felt he belonged. He grew up in, you know, in a family where he was the only African American. He had community where he felt like he didn't have a lot of community. So he kind of felt like I don't belong. Right. Um, this is actually a lot of what Julie Lithcott Hames's book is about real American. She's coming to our um, conference and yeah. that's what her book is about is that feeling of where do I belong? Yeah. Where do, where do we fit in? Um, but when that show ended, Todd was obviously feeling like Randall. And he said, poor Randall, he's just trying to help and no one's noticing. And Cameron and I are like, but honey, he's, he, he's not one of them. He's helping them. And he's trying to like make himself them. So I started posting a few things after the Kavanaugh thing was obvious that Kavanaugh was going to be a Supreme court justice. And you, um, said, I said, well, I said, slow down on the posts because I said, you, I go, I appreciate, and you said, I just want to help. Yeah, I'm just trying to help. And I said, I know trying you're to trying your to back. help. I know. And I, and you guys understand, hear this whole conversation through, because I think Todd and I are both trying to be very measured with this, like the way that we were interacting with each other. Because let me go back before I finish what happened between you and I. Sure. With Randall, okay. do I see what Randall's trying to do? You bet. And there's a lot of people who wouldn't do what he's trying to do. And that's what's so great about that show is there's not a lot of people who are right or wrong. Mm-hmm. There is There are human beings and he is trying to do a good thing and also find a place to belong, but he's not reading the fact that he is different. Right. Okay? So all that's the gray, Okay. So Todd was posting all these things and I was telling him these ways I felt and he was going to post those things. And I I was like, slow down. And I said, it's like you're Randall on This Is Us and you're changing the light bulbs. I said, but you're not we, you're not a woman. Mm -hmm. And even though I appreciate you, you jumping in and helping, like take a deep breath and like support rather than become so. And I think your thing is I am skipping over Correct. That was a it. step. Yes. What is the step I'm skipping over? I'm like, sit with we, with us, and feel the weight of not being heard, respected, or understood. And I'm too busy trying to fix the problem. Yes, you're trying to change all the light bulbs. Yeah. And the and put up these 
posts that make people think and and get angry and and it's like let's just sit here for a second because there's and again this is so fine Todd this is really not what it's about but there's a few things I wanted to post but Mm. you had already posted like three Uh, so I'm like okay I I did not create the space you did not create the space for there was like a and that is totally manageable those Mm. things could be taken down I could post anyway those are just metaphors for support there's a very masculine energy, and I'm not going to say it's all male because I think women do this too sometimes, this overreaching where it's like, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this instead of what do I or women need right now? How can I support you rather than I'm going to go do all of it? Mm-hmm. And there's a balance in there because I think a lot of people listening would say, Kevi, you should be so lucky that you have... Uh, you know, a significant other or such a good male friend who wants to support women. And and everybody, I hear you. I'm very cognizant of Todd's support. But the big but is it's very similar to, I think, what happened like, and I'll go way back to like with the Women's March, when right after the election, there was a lot of women, white women, who were like, we're going to lead, we're going to march. And they weren't acknowledging all the women of color who had yeah. been doing this for decades. Yeah. And there was like a jumping over them into I'm going to lead instead of saying, wait a second, we're sorry we didn't join you before. Mm-hmm. We're sorry we didn't understand what you were they, going through. Start with that. Start with and that. Then, and then fix. Exactly. Um, Dr. Alexander Solomon, our friend, uh-huh. she just posted something that I shared on my tribe men's group page. And the title of it is called Holding Space. How Men Can Support Women's Rage. Ooh, interesting. I And I, I shared it on my Tribe Men's Group page. I'll put it in the show notes here. If there's guys out there that sometimes get confused on how they can help, this is a wonderful reminder on how to do that. And if you just listen to this last 10 minutes and you're confused, that's okay. Yeah. It's not clean. It's not... This is, there's a reason why we're using the word measured because you have to find a place on the continuum. There are times when... I need to be the one to speak up. There are times when Todd needs to be the one to speak up. There's times that I need to be the one to listen and he needs to be the one to listen. It, it's like this back and forth. Um, it's like it's like a playing with power. Like it's okay to let the women lead this and to allow us to, to lead it and then say, what can I do or what can I say? This is the paradox. You ladies want us guys to join hands. Uh-huh. Um, but you don't want us to necessarily fix. You want us to hold space and support all these words while at the same time, we've talked about examples, how like the people that don't agree with the mindset of equality and Mm -hmm. things like that, they need to hear those messages, not from women or not just women. Mm -hmm. They need to hear from white straight men. Correct. So it's like, well, which one is it? Do you want me to let you lead or do you want me to talk to these white straight men, straight men for you? And the answer is yes. Both both right and that's the paradox because it's not about posting something on facebook and being like the person who's like i'm going to share this article and i'm going to do this and i'm going to be the face of this you're not the face of it but when you are sitting at dinner with your white straight friend and he says oh you know can can you believe you know now i got to think twice about kissing someone and now i can't close my door say you know what, hold on, I actually have a different perspective for Mm. you on that. That's being an ally, you know, like now there is, uh, there are other, there's 
numerous ways to be an ally. Sure. That's not the only way. Yeah. And there's some people... Now, here, I'm going to totally throw a wrench into everything we said. Are you ready? Now that I was confused, now I'm going to be yes, uber confused. Yes, you're going to be so confused that I'm saying this because I have to share this, though. There was a viral post last week of... It was somewhere in Colorado, and there was a woman who approached two Hispanic women. They were speaking Spanish, um, and this woman approached them and said to them, do you like living in the United States? And one of them said yes. They also spoke English. And she said, well, then you need to start, of course, the, you know, the very, you need to start speaking our language and mm. you need to, you know, whatever. Well, a woman from another aisle came over and said, that's not okay. Don't speak to these ladies this way. And then this woman who said this was saying, you know, started this argument, got in this girl's face and was like, your generation is going to ruin this country. And she's like, no, it's not. I know how to respect. I'm going to call the police. Please leave. Mm. Now, I kind of got goosebumps. Which for because this girl totally just came over and was like, no, yeah, you are not, not okay. going to speak to these Hispanic women up. this way. And I that is not my way, meaning that's not my personality. That wouldn't be authentic for me. Sure. But there was something in that moment that felt very alive, kind of like no more. That so why I brought that up is because. That's being an ally. Yeah. And this woman, they ended up, she walked her, she, they like, in the video, you see them walking out and they're still kind of arguing with each other and the police did get called and and I don't know what the end result is, but there is a time when you got to stand, stand up. up. And, I, and I'm saying that's not my way, but I'm curious what I would do in a situation like and that. And you don't know, you could guess, yeah. but you'll never know when, how you'll react in any type of, I'll call this a crisis. Yeah. Until you're in it. I hope that I would stand up. And there's times, there's days, I remember I saw uh, a, a checkout clerk at Jewel verbally abusing this bagger kid yes, with I downs. Yes, I remember that, yeah. And I, I, there was, I didn't think or decide anything. I said, wait a second, he's doing the best he can. Yes. I didn't choose to say it. Like, it just, it came, just out. came out. Yes, and the same. But I've had that too. There may have been another day where I was having a crappy day and I wouldn't have said it at all. Correct. You just don't know. You don't know how you're going to stand up or show up in the world. It depends on what's going on in your world that day. There's some people that would every single moment would jump all over in injustice. And, and to, that's sometimes their rage being spilled onto other people. Right. There's And again, let's, go, let's bring it back to being measured, is that if we can speak up for people and be measured about it and not bring in a lot of rage that has nothing to do with the person in front of us, yep. um, then there was, there is, there's just a place for, you know, and again, I think there are personality pieces. There are some piece, people who are just more outspoken. Yeah. Like I know that I, I am not built to be a politician. Sure. I am not built to, to be in that arena. Um, but I do think that politicians have an opportunity to be measured. And during the, the, ju you know, the Supreme court, not yeah. During the judiciary committee thing, yeah. there were some senators that I thought did a great job mm -hmm. being very measured. Like it's possible. It's possible when someone's provoking you yeah. to stay in, in a good place. But just to kind of wrap up the, you know, the thing we were talking about with Randall, I believe, um, that we are all in this together. All these things that I always teach. Um, I believe that Todd is a support system for me, for women, for equality. Um, what I'm always trying to measure between Todd and I, not just in this example, but is to, 
to to be side by side rather than always take the lead. Yeah. Because taking the lead always is a very masculine yep. trait. And there is a sense of I'll take the lead, then you take the lead, then we'll take the lead together. And then instead of you it's always, it is a dance. Um, one idea I have, um, and you probably know this because you track Glennon Doyle pretty uh-huh. uh, religiously. Uh-huh. Um, Glennon created something, and I got this from Edith, mm-hmm. my friend. Uh, it's on Glennon's page. It's on Glennon's page. Author, activist, philanthropist, creator of the online community Monastery, and founder and president of Together Rising, a nonprofit for women and children in crisis, invite us to turn our rage uh-huh. to change uh, every Friday from October 5th through November 23rd by joining hashtag Black Fridays. Together, she invites us to rage. It's an acronym. Represent, act, gather, exit. And there's a petition that I'll put on if there's any women out there that want to be a part of this. Um, so can you explain? So R is... Uh, represent. Represent. A is act. I don't have the... So represent, I th- one of them is you wear black. Yeah, that's that's the second thing. If you want to start easy, wear black in solidarity on yes, Fridays. Yes. Tell people why and or post on social media with Black Friday so that other women can find us. Now, what's interesting is Edith sent me an e- email this morning and she sent it to like eight women and me. Mm-hmm. And because we're all going to be together for mm-hmm. committee days on Friday. I'll, my my industry is coming together this Friday mm-hmm. or this week. And she's like, just want you guys to know I'm going to be wearing all black. And if you guys want to, and it's in an act of solidarity. And she copied me on it. So sure. I assume I was invited. Absolutely. So I are. plan to wear Absolutely. all black. And, um, but I was even like, I had to think twice, like, do you want me to wear all black or is this a woman thing? Well, but feel the difference between the situation you and I had and her. She's leading saying, will you join me? And you're like, of course. There's a difference between that and me. Sometimes you, and and this is good, Todd. I have no problem with this, by the way. But I will share with you all my feelings about something or I'll share an article that, and then you'll post it Mm -hmm. and be like, this is how we feel. Mm -hmm. But that's really coming from me and you're kind of like, this is, and I don't have a problem with that as far as you and I, but it's okay sometimes to just listen and not, it's so funny. It's hard to have this conversation. We're doing this on the air. I feel like Um, sometimes it has, it's just, I'm just, I'm so willing to call myself and other men out. And if I see something, even if it comes from you that I think other men can, can use and, and, use as a vehicle of introspection, then I want to get it out there as soon Correct. as I can. Correct. And you know what you can do? Hmm. Here's an article that Kathy shared with me. Got it. Do you see? It's such a slight, because what that's doing is you are le- you are taking your own lead. This is kind of like, um, and, and you're also giving, it's not about giving me props about, isn't she smart? She found this article, but here's something that women are reading right now. Mm. And I would like us to read it rather than here's me carrying the ball for everybody. It's so subtle. And, but what those kind of acts, it's a, it's an act of generosity. It, it demonstrates I'm listening rather than I'm running with the ball. Well, and I want, you know, my hardwiring and I'm trying to deprogram myself right now is to fix, is I know, to take I know, action. I know. Creating space is really hard for I me. I don't want to say for guys, because that's not true. For me, creating space seems like a very passive thing to I do. Know. And then I struggle with the whole, 
social media thing, like you and I, and this is for a different podcast, but sometimes I'm like, what am I doing? Like there's times when I get into debates online with right. other people yeah. and I'm like, this is just, I'm spinning my wheels with some of these right. people that just want to argue for the sake of arguing. And I just feel like I'm wasting my energy. And it's almost like, Todd, if you were really an advocate, you'd go do something as opposed to just post something on social media. Well, let me give you this perspective. There's two different kinds of conversations online. It's unbelievable to me that people actually respond to people who are trolling. Meaning if someone's coming on and saying, these people all suck, and people respond to that person and then have like a 50-person thread Mm -hmm. telling that person why they're an idiot. Why are you wasting your time? Like what a troll wants is energy. They want you to get riled up. If you ignore what they write, they're like left suffocating. Yeah. They, there's not, there's, there's no, no energy. Oxygen. There's no feeding. I mean, people say don't feed the trolls for a reason. It's because all they want is for you to get riled up so they can play with you. Right. Don't play. But some of the conversations that you have online with some men is not a waste of your time. Right. There's two things happening. Number one, you're practicing being measured and you're practicing sharing your perspective in an authentic way. And you are having a conversation with someone else who is doing the same. I don't think that's a waste of time because there's two things happening. You and he are are engaging in a powerful conversation and other people are reading it. But the whole arguing with trolls or like, you know, somebody who comes on and says, well, that person is a jackass. And then you come back and say, your guy's a jackass. What a waste of time. Well, one real example is I have a family member who is troll-like, let's just yes, say. Yes, very much so. And um, my friend John Duffy said something. Right. And you're like, that's awesome. Right. Right? But Well, no, this I knew this was going to come up. Okay. <laughs> he always responds on your, not John, this guy yeah. always responds on your sister's page yeah. and she's kind of left flailing. And, and this is why I struggled with this right. because when we talk about him, yeah. historically you have said, yeah, he trolls people, but he's a great guy. Yeah. And I'm always like, Todd, he's horrible to people, right. but he's a great guy. And that's always that conversation of, it's not that I think you should get online and troll him back. <clears throat> and it doesn't disregard nice things he did in his past, but he's trolling people. Can we just focus on he's not being kind to your sister? Correct. And then one day, John Duffy, who's not you, right? Because you're the family member. So I don't really think, you know, but he got on and said in a very measured way, dude, here's something else you could consider. And you know what? He didn't come back. Yeah. He didn't go in for the argument. Yeah. It kind of felt like he went in and kind of put his arm around your sister and was like, yeah. I'm here. I didn't show that to you mm-hmm. to say, Todd, you need to do that. Right. Because I don't think it would have been as effective. Right. And I think the reason I brought it up just now is because if somebody's exhibiting troll-like behavior, right. why even respond at all? And and you know what? If you have an ability to be measured yeah. and not... Because the examples I was just giving yeah. are you're a jackass, you're a jackass, or how could you say that? You're horrible. That's not going anywhere. But if somebody is saying something, and and I don't know if John had noticed that he had been doing this for a while. Oh, I'm sure he does. I'm sure he, he's probably sick of seeing his name. Probably. And maybe he just wanted to come in and be like, dude, from a dude, here's another perspective. Because I don't think he came back. Um, He didn't go in for the argument. He went in for the perspective taking. And this is the gray, like, the, in that situation, to me, it was very similar to the woman in the grocery store. Yeah. 
occasionally when somebody comes out at a certain moment, stand up firmly, you're kind of like, that's really great. Now to your point, would I do that every time? I don't know. Would I, I don't know. I don't know what I do in those situations, but there are times online when, especially if it's on our page, because it's our responsibility, when I have responded to people who I think just kind of are in for a fight, mm-hmm. where I say, I totally hear you. Um, here's what we meant. Here's what we pulled from. This is, you know, here's something you can listen to, whatever. And if they come back with an argument or if they're inappropriate, we can ob- obviously block them. Yeah, right. We block some people. But it's not about disagreeing. It's about how you're disagreeing and why. And you can get a feel for it. Yeah, one of these days I want to maybe dedicate a portion of the podcast just to the whole idea of social media in regards to this political divide. Because there's a part of me, sometimes I feel like I'm posting something so I could feel good about myself and not uh, step up and act in the grocery store. Okay, I can just say, oh yeah, I'm not going to put myself out there, but I'll put myself up and hide behind Facebook. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's something that I I still struggle with. And, you know, I don't think you're hiding behind Facebook because it's people are reading your perspective. I think your friends and people who know you are very clear about Mm -hmm. where you stand on things. Now, I want to bring this back to the very beginning of the podcast when we were talking about your conversation with our daughter in the car. Okay. Because it's the exact same thing. How do we not understand that how we treat someone is going to be how that person treats us. Now, there are obviously people who are just going to be rude no matter what. And they're the people who are trolls, who just want to fight, if it either be online or to our face. They don't have, they're lacking that sense of empathy and really they just want to be angry. Those people exist. But there's a lot of people, if you're having a conversation with someone that you disagree with, there is a way to say, um, you know, here's my perspective Here's how I see it. And and to respond with, I hear you, I see your perspective. Yeah. Here's how I see the same thing. We just don't have that, that muscle worked yet in our culture where we recognize how allowing the space for someone's opinion, even if we don't agree, and even if there's parts of it that we're offended by, um, to... to then if we listen to them, then we have more opportunity for them to listen to us. I've got a good example. Sure. So there is a book coming out. I think it came out a week or two ago, and it is um, written about this guy named Derek Black. Hmm. And his father um, was the head of the Ku Klux Klan for like eight or nine years. Derek, his son... I think his name's Derek, was raised in this environment of white nationalism, used to be called white supremacy. They changed the language so we, yeah. you know, we we get thrown off. But sure. um, he was raised with it. He was raised with a lot of knowledge that wasn't factual, but he was raised to be a white nationalist uh, or a white supremacist. He went away to college, and that was kind of his first time out of that bubble. And there were some people he met who, uh, some people who were Jewish and some people of other races and um, some people who, you know, it's their sexuality, you know, if they be gay or mm-hmm. bisexual. And he started to be introduced to different people. And what they did was they decided to invite him to dinner mm. every week, okay? Okay. And they would invite him to dinner and have these conversations and let him share. And then they would share and then they'd be like, okay, goodbye, Derek. And for like a good six months to a year, he came and had dinner with them. 
he obviously changed his perspective yeah. and has completely disconnected himself from the white nationalists and now sees people for who they are, even after growing up with that. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, he's, uh, un, uh, he's undoing his hardwiring. A lot of hardwiring. <clears throat> but a lot of that is because a lot of the facts he was given growing up were not true. It's yeah. not true that different races, you know, that your race demonstrates yeah. your intelligence yeah. and all this crap yeah. that is fed. Um, and he's actually still connected to his parents. They mm -hmm. just are mad at him. Mm -hmm. He still talks to them every week, but yeah. they're just mad at him because they feel like he's... He's actually... His dad created Stormfront, mm -hmm. which is the website that yeah. a lot of white nationalists connect with. Now, what he said on the podcast that I was listening to was, the, you know, I think it was on NPR. They're like, what was the most difficult part for you? And he goes, when I read the book and read the interviews of my friends who invited me over for dinner, I didn't realize how hard it was for them to be in my presence mm. because they said he would leave and they would feel horrible, horrible. and they would feel sick yeah. and they would feel like, wow, he's like got all these things that are about us and it's horrible. And they continued to invite him to dinner until now they're all really friends. And he didn't realize how hard they worked. Yeah. He goes, I, I would leave and be like, you know, yeah. on my... And I guess I'm using this as an example because if we listen to people, in that woman who did the TED Talk about how she was raised in the, the West uh, Baptist yeah, yeah. Church, yeah. Uh, Westboro, Westboro yeah. Baptist Church, and how she started talking to people with different... On Twitter. On Twitter. And how she was like, they listened to her... Mm -hmm. And she listened to them. Yeah. And this is possible. Yeah. Like when people sound ignorant, it's because, and I'm going to say this, I don't mean this as, as derogatory as coming out, but they are ignorant. They don't have all the information. They lack knowledge. Ignorance lack by definition knowledge. means to lack knowledge. Correct. And that's the way I mean it. And as if they won't hear us unless we respect them. Well, it's funny. In Team Zen, one of our team members uh, posted a website that I've played around with before, but it's called the... CNVC, the Center for Nonviolent Communication. Yes, nonviolent communication. And it looks pretty wonderful. Like, you know, it's just one of those things that are, are it's on my list of things to explore mm -hmm. so I could practice it better. It's really hard to do. Um, but there's a resource out there for anybody who wants to maybe do that, whether it's communicating with family members on Facebook or if it's in the grocery store with a stranger. It's a it's a wonderful thing. So it's cnvc.org. So a lot of therapists are trained in nonviolent communication oh, right. and a lot of educators are too. It's in yeah. a lot of community organizers are too. Right. Like there is a way to be powerful without overpowering. And there, that is hard to understand. And it's there is a way integrate. to communicate your message and be strong without making the other person weak. Like there, this is, and this is what we're talking about with our children. Again, going back to the beginning of this podcast, there is a way to hear your child and allow them to be who they are. And then to demonstrate what compassion looks like. And compassion is we don't have to listen to the radio. I hear you. You're angry. I got it. And allowing that space it then, and again, here's the, you know, here's the the biggest part of this, it teaches them how to do it. Yeah. So when you go home, not you, Todd, yeah. but any of us go home and we think, oh, I gave my power away or, oh, they're going to think I'm weak. Actually, no, they are going to see what's possible because children who yell and yell and yell and yell at other people and grow up yelling at people, it's because they grew up with that being the only way to communicate. Yeah. All of a sudden we're, we're the kids, we're with them. Correct. Yeah. Um, so you talked about Team Zen. We have a book club, sweetie. Yes, we do. Uh, what book are we using uh, for this book of the season club? So 
Um, I love that you called book of the season. Yeah, because it's about three months. So it's October right now. We're recording this October 8th. Uh, so for the next three months, we're going to be focusing on... On uh, Differently Wired. So Debbie Reber's book. Debbie was on our podcast, um, and she wrote the book called Differently Wired, um, which is about understanding, relating to... Um, uh, and finding allies for neurodiverse kids. You know, it's funny. It's it's an allies thing again. It's like not only for, for parents who are raising neurodiverse kids, you know, kids who maybe are on the spectrum or are gifted or are both or have a lot of anxiety or learning um, challenges. Um, the question, the questions that she's asking in the book are, are they really challenges mm. or do we just need to figure out how to communicate and and be with and understand and listen to kids who are neurodiverse. And then she also talks about in the book, we need to be allies for these families and kids. We need to recognize that, you know, that all being a part of the same funnel doesn't always work for everybody. And can we have some um, willingness to listen to what other families need when raising their kids? Sweetie, how would somebody go about be participating in this book club? Just join Team Zen. How do you join Team Zen? Uh, go to zenparentingradio.com um, and it says, you know, Team Zen is like, you know, welcome to Team Zen or, you know, learn more about Team Zen, like mm-hmm. five places on the website. And you just right there register. And you could, if you only wanted to do the book club, like you're like, I don't want to be on Team Zen for a year. I just want to do the book club. Just sign up. And then when we're done with the book club, you can be yeah. done with, you can cancel your subscription. And we're going to have Debbie on a talk. Well, with I us. haven't asked her yet, she'll but I'm sure I think that she'll, if we can figure around her yeah, schedule, we'll do it in December. Okay. It's fine. Um, and she also has a podcast called tilt parenting. Yeah. Um, she's good. She's really good. And the book is really good. And I think as I've said like 80 times on this show, but I'm using her book in my college class this semester. And my focus in my college class is sociology of the family. It's not about neurodiversity, but I think the book applies to all families. Yeah. I don't, th- I think like, you know, her first tilt or her first question in the book is question everything you ever learned about parenting. I think every parent should do that. I think every parent should say, what do I believe and why? And can I question these things? And then it's learn how to care less about what people think about you. And and that doesn't mean dump all over people. That means stop making choices for your child based on what your next door neighbor thinks. Like start doing things, advocating for your kid rather than trying to make sure they fit in. Um, So it's a really good book. So again, Join Team Zen. Uh, doing the book club is just a part of Team Zen. Also, if you know you join Team Zen, you'll get our you know Zen talks. We actually have one tomorrow, right? Yep. So those are like extra podcasts, and they're live. Um, you also get the Facebook page where you can talk with people, and it's a big community from mm-hmm. people from all over the United States and internationally. Yep. So you know if you feel like you don't have community, we got one for yes, you. Yes, we do. Um, we also have a Zen friend, sweetie. Last year, I, I uh, last year last week, I listed about five Zen friends. We only have one, but last week I accidentally gave Carolyn Rogers a nickname. You gave her Carolyn Too Tall Rogers, and she's not particularly tall or short. She's just normal, <laughs> but too tall. So I decided that I'm going to start giving our Zen friends nicknames. Do you think they'll like them? I hope so because I found a nickname generator online. Oh, good. And it says uh, first name, last name, and then three adjectives. So Lisa Gami is somebody we know. She is a Zen friend. So what's her nickname? And I put in like three adjectives. I put in smart or something like that. So she is Lisa the Aptitude Gami. Ooh, nice. I think she'll like it. So if you uh, become a Zen friend, you'll get a nickname. Thank you. Okay. So not only will we... Okay. So the things you get if you're a Zen friend is first, the good feeling of being a Zen friend because you're helping people come to the conference. Yeah. Number two, we're going to read your name on the podcast 
three, you're going to get a cool nickname. Right. And four, you get your name in the program. That's right. Should we put their nicknames in the program? Well, we have to go back. I got <laughs> give a lot of nicknames for previous Zen friend donors. We have to ask Carolyn if she wants to be too tall. I think she'll say yes. Okay. Um, what is the conference? When is it? Where is it? So March 8th and 9th, 2019, um, it is, uh, speaking of Glennon, because we were just talking about her, her acronym, um, Glennon Doyle will be there and Abby Wombeck will be there and Julie Lithcott-Hames, who we mentioned on this podcast, her book, Real American, and also uh, Devorah Heitner, who will be talking about technology um, and having a better relationship with technology. Um, and so they'll all be at the conference, plus some possible special guests. Todd and I are working on that right now. So go to zenparentingradio.com to get your tickets or zenparentingconference.com um, and just do that. Yeah, do that. Um, I feel like there was one more thing I wanted to share, but I don't remember what it was. I've got one more thing. What do you got? Oh, uh, Jeremy Kraft. Oh, yes. He's bald a bald-headed beauty. beauty. He is our founding sponsor. He's been with us. All seven and a half years, almost eight, sweetie. It's not eight until December 31st. I know, but we might, it's basically If we eight. round up, it's yes, eight. Yes, uh, He's a bald-headed beauty. He runs a company called Avid, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800. Uh, tell him that Todd and Kathy sent you, and uh, yeah, good talk. Good, and I want to share one more thing, but just to kind of, since we're having this deep conversation, I do appreciate your advocacy and I hope you appreciate mine. Of course I do. Like, you know, this is not a, a, not advocate, but I hope like my advocacy for men and you appreciate, and I appreciate yours for women and for each other and for equality. Like we, I want us to not have egos about what we do. We're all on the same team. That's what I mean. And that when, and do I need, because I'm sorry, I'm like diving back in when we're trying to finish up, but I can't help it because sometimes when I say things to Todd, like, you know, just calm down or don't post things for a while, I can tell, or at least I grab some wood there, Bob. I feel like your ego gets a little bruised, but Um, you told me I was wrong. No, it's a little uh, demoralizing because I want to run to the finish line as fast as I can. You want to change all the light bulbs. I want to change every (laughs) single light bulb. And when you're like, sit in this discomfort of knowing that you don't have control over the plight of equality. Right. And it's, yeah, it's a little, it's tough, but there's some wisdom in slowing down as well. Beautiful. And so, and that's the thing is that it's just being able to have a conversation without us having an argument about who's doing it better. Like let's join each other and be allies for each other and, and, and know Todd, this is that that is a constant work in progress. Always everything. Give me one thing that's not a work in progress, sweetie. Smokey our rabbit. Smokey our rabbit. That rabbit knows mindfulness. That that bunny's just that it's she's it, not a work in progress. She's done. She'll just she's good. stare and breathe. We were gone for like a full day and she was like, What? What? Who? Yeah, I was here looking <laughs> at the wall. All right. Um Thanks for listening, everybody. Blessings, gratitude. We're just so grateful that you're part of our community. And just enjoy the word measured this week. Put it in your head. Use it. Practice it. Live it. I decided the show's either either be called Being Measured or Take the Long View. Mm, I like both. Well, you're going to have to figure out what we do. Okay. Adios. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to Zen Parenting Radio so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a review on iTunes. It helps people find us. If you want more Zen parenting, check out Team Zen. It's 25 bucks a month where you'll get two live Zen talks 
with an opportunity to ask us live questions. If you can't join us live, don't worry. You can still access all Zen Talks through the Team Zen Podcast app. You'll have access to all previous Zen Talks, connect with like-minded people through our private Facebook page, and get discounts on everything that we offer. Get your tickets for our annual Zen Parenting Conference on March 8th and 9th, 2019. Sweet. Get your brave on with Glennon Doyle, Abby Wambeck, Julie Lithcott-Hames, and Devorah Heitner, and enjoy a weekend in a warm and friendly environment of like-minded people. Tickets are available at zenparentingradio.com. Sweetie, it's going to be off the hook. I know. Um, interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. While you're there, check out our upcoming events, or you can purchase one of my three books. They're not your three books. Well, your three books. Thank you. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link under the support us on our homepage. It doesn't cost you anything, but we get a small commission from Amazon. Um, guys, want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationship with loved ones? Good news. I coach guys. We can talk in person, by phone, FaceTime, you choose. If you're in Chicago, contact me about the tribe. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. And don't forget about our 2019 Unplug, Connect, and Transform Retreat. More, more on that later. Special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft, from Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thanks for your love and support, Jeremy. Sweetie, he's a bald head of beauty. I know this. All right, everybody, keep trucking. See you next week. Adios. <laughs>